Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. I'm joined in Louisville by Nick Roush. Uh, today is Thursday, going into Alabama Saturday. The Crimson Tide has had two weeks to prepare for Kentucky as they're coming off a bye week and a game cancellation. So uh, Alabama should be healthy going in uh, to the Kentucky game with a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback and running back that will be looking for numbers against uh, Brad White's defense. So uh, with all that said, Nick Roush, you ready to get this thing kicked off? I am ready, Freddie. Oh, man. You know what? In all the years we've been talking together, that might be the first time that I did the I'm ready, Freddie. (laughs) And, And you know what? I say that in everyday life, and the fact that it took until now for it to happen, it, yeah, I'm disappointed in myself, frankly. Um, we've but. we've we've gone through the KSR uh, light pole and the KSR owl. I mean, we've been through the, we've been through the trenches together there, Nicholas. Oh man, so I, f- I forgot. That's kind of crazy. That Hoover yeah. that Hoover light. Um, the Hoover light. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember that when you talked about the Alabama being healthy. There's one thing that Nick Saban said that I thought was uh, like he said what we all were kind of thinking, but I think he was the first one to really recognize it. And that's that. Yeah. Alabama's probably going to be healthy. They've had two weeks off, but the guys want to play and they've also been practicing for just as long, if not longer than normal. Uh, yeah. This is supposed to be week 11 of a normal season. And instead, you know, they're only what six games in maybe. And he's yeah. like, Physically, we should be fresh, but he's like psychologically, you know, I don't know. It, it can be wearing on guys. And I thought that was just a something that I'm glad he said because I think it really is, uh, you know, does reflect what everybody's going through right now. Yeah, a couple of key injuries for Alabama. Jalen Waddle, all SEC uh, receiver, uh, returner, will not play. He got hurt against Tennessee. Uh, I, I read where they're hoping to get him back for the college football playoff if that happens. Uh, but look for uh, defensive end LeBron Ray, an all-SEC performer, to be back against Kentucky uh, on Saturday. So uh, we asked for some questions. I think we had a couple. Nick, if you want to hit those up, we'll roll with that. We do have some uh, some questions. And this one is from Cam Taylor, who says, the offense played inspired and seemed to have cleaned things up a bit execution-wise. Do you see anything that gives you the indication that we can get – an explosive play downfield against Alabama. An explosive play downfield against Alabama will come in the rush game with Chris Rodriguez, in my opinion. I'm not so sure uh, pass game-wise that's going to happen. Alabama, uh, lockdown corner, All-American. Uh, Patrick Sertain should be uh, should be up against uh, Josh Ali, and that that could take away the you know Kentucky's primary passing attack. Or, or go-to receiver in an explosive play. So I would think Kentucky, uh, uh, if it's going to have an explosive play, will be by uh, Mr. Christopher Rodriguez, who's averaging 6.4 yards per carry, which is the most among SEC running backs uh, with 80 or plus carries. So right now he's sitting at 568 yards uh, for the season, six touchdowns, 80 yards a game. So, uh, I, I, it's just going to be hard to have an explosive passing 
play against this Alabama secondary that's very, very good. I mentioned Sertain. Uh, you know, they have the star position, which is kind of the hybrid linebacker safety. Malachi Moore is a true freshman, very active, a couple interceptions, six pass breakups, a quarterback hurry. Uh, you know, they're just very good, strong safety, Jordan Battle, 32 tackles, a tackle for loss, and two pass breakups. So, passing-wise, it's going to be a difficult challenge to have an explosive play against Alabama. The good thing is, is that we did see them actually – complete some passes against Vanderbilt yeah. and uh Eddie Grand said that they kind of just they really went back to the basics and they went back to what happened at the beginning of the year and they repped the hell out of it for the lack of a better term you yeah. saw some connections with the tight ends you know it wasn't just all about the screen game so if Kentucky can just hit on it I mean they are not necessarily deep passes but if you can move the sticks and get some 12 15 yard gains in an immediate game and just keep moving the sticks, Freddie. That's where I, yeah. I want to see them piece together a couple drives. We saw in that Georgia game one and a half good drives, and yeah. you only got three points out of it. And like Grant said, if you once you put those drives together, you got to end them in touchdowns and not just kick field goals. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, my sources in Alabama uh, tell me that the tide is susceptible to wheel routes, and I've seen that also uh, in the games that I've watched. Uh, so that that could be something that Kentucky could hit on, oh, and we'll, but but we'll see. Terry had one too. That he that yeah thro- throwing that little fade has not been necessarily his strength, and uh, no, that was really his only bad throw was that to AJ Rose one yeah. point two incompletions, and he just underthrew it. Yeah, absolutely. That that could have been a touchdown. So, all right, let's go to the next one. All right, this is from Bully's Belly. Great Twitter handle. Um. It's well known that Alabama has highly talented players at every position. Are, are there any position battles where Kentucky actually has an advantage? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Um, Maybe the offensive line versus their defensive well, line. That would be, if I had to pick one, that would be it because Alabama uh, does not have its typical. Uh, dominant defensive line. However, it does get, like I said, defensive end LeBron Ray back. Uh, but you have those linebackers, you know, that, that are about just just behind them. Dylan Moses is an All-American, yeah. uh, 50 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss. I mean, he, he's really, really good. He's the quarterback of that defense. But uh, you're going to see a lot of best in the SEC on Saturday. Uh, the best two tackles that have been graded, offensive tackles, or Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, and Darian Kennard of Kentucky. The best two centers uh, are going to be playing, and Drake Jackson and Dickerson from Alabama. Uh, you know, two two of the best, or two the two best centers. And then you got Landon Young on the other side. So uh, it's going to be best on best there. Uh, Dylan Moses, linebacker, All American, like I said. But uh, Jamin Davis is third in the SEC with tackles. So. You know that that's another uh, advantage point, or 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 a or point of interest for Kentucky. I wouldn't say advantage point. Davis has seventy three tackles for the year, so uh, I, I would. But I would think the best on best is uh, Jackson and Dickerson at center, and Leatherwood and Kennard slash Young at tackle. I, I will give it to. Uh, I, I kind of like the not chippiness that Quentin Bohanna had, but. Yeah. You know, we hear about all these Alabama players. Well, the Kentucky players were pretty good, too. I, I like that um, 
kind of confidence because you, you need to have a, a mentality about you when you're going to play the number one team in the country. It gets old, man, as a player. When you're playing, when you're going against a team that's got all these All Americans and five stars and all that, it it gets old hearing about it and hearing mm-hmm. about you how you don't have a chance. And this player's great, that player's great. Najee Harris is great. Uh, so is Mac Jones playing at high level. Devontae Smith is an All American. Uh, I mean, just All Americans across the board. You get tired of it, man. And, and you know, Kentucky has to take the mentality. If you're scared, say you're scared. Don't get on the daggone plane if you if you don't think you can beat Alabama on Saturday. I mean, that's the mindset you have to play. If you play in the Southeastern Conference, you can't have a weakness of heart, weakness of mind, thinking we're going to go down there and get our butts kicked. If you do that, then, then stay at home and, and turn your stuff in and, and get off the team. Did you ever go up against the number one team, Freddie? You know, Nick, I'm sure I did. <laughs> I, it's, it, it, I can't remember, you know, rankings and all that. Yeah, I do know yeah. we played Alabama and Auburn back to back when I was a sophomore, and that was a True. that was a tough that was a tough road to, to go against. Yeah, so, yeah. I have a feeling. Uh, I have a feeling that, that that might be the case. Ooh, Patrick asked, "Can I come hunt in your backyard?" Well, if you come hunting my backyard in Brussels, you're not going to do much good. But my mom's house in Corbin's where the nature trail took place there on Monday. And, and <laughs> I'm still, you know, I still fascinated. I stayed down there till Wednesday and I got up early every morning just to get up and, and have some coffee and watch the, watch the deer in the yard. That was pretty cool. But it was a fake owl, man. I can't believe that owl faked me out like that. I, guess I had a bad the- view, man. Well, yeah, you know, you're colorblind too. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's tough to differentiate, but yeah, is, uh, like, is, is, do you, you, what do you use a fake owl for? Is it just to scare away other birds from like pooping everywhere? Or? I have no idea. I think so. Uh, woodpeckers, I think is what it scares uh, away. Yeah. Woodpeckers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the trick. Yeah. Man, woodpeckers. Those are some wild animals, man. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it was a fake out, man. It kind of it got the best of me, but you know, just like Kentucky's game against Vanderbilt, upon further review, I uh, identified that it was it was fake. Had to go to the replay booth. <laughs> Jack's pants says short crossing routes. From what I see, we don't use these, and they seem to work well for a lot of teams, college and pro. What are your thoughts? I saw quite a few against Vanderbilt. Uh, just didn't hit them because there was open stuff behind them. And uh, uh, Bo Allen hit or tried to hit one, and it was batted down at the line of scrimmage. But, uh, you know, I agree. Uh, but but you go to short crossing routes if you're playing against a defense that's heavy man-to-man. And, uh, you know, if you play in a zone team, which Kentucky's played against a lot of zone coverage, just like we saw Kentucky against Mississippi State, those short crossing routes are just, you know, two or three yard gains, and they're not they're not much there. So, uh, but man to man, yeah, and, and Alabama will play man to man, and and they will try to lock down Josh Ali with Patrick Sertain, and you know that he's an All American, he's going to be a, a top ten draft pick, and that would be a, an interesting matchup to watch on Saturday. And he, I think Bo did hit a, a deeper crossing route to Mike. Drennan. He did. That was a little, little bit, uh, as you alluded to earlier, one of those kind of routes. But yeah, uh, like you said, Freddie, that's what Mississippi State loves, and people have taken them away pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, you you can take those away, especially with with zone coverage. So, um, 
Or Will asked a question that kind of echoes what we heard earlier, but can our offensive line match up with our defensive front seven? And uh, man, it's yeah, it's one of those I, things too, Freddie, yeah. that I just I hope we get a heavier dose of Chris Rodriguez because I know Kentucky only ran so many plays and he was efficient as hell in them. We still only had 13 carries, and that might have been mm-hmm. his season high for the year. So it'd be nice to see Rodriguez get into the 20s one game because I, I know he's capable of, of carrying a heavier load. He is. I mean, he, he's a type of back that the more carries he gets, the, the better he gets. And, you know, like you said, he only had 13 against this Vanderbilt, which was not very many, but he had 149 yards, including a 74-yard touchdown run. Had a couple touchdowns. He averaged 11 and a half yards per carry against the Commodores. So uh, I, I would expect a heavy dose of Chris Rodriguez uh, because, I mean, listen, th- this is going to be a physical football game. I, n- I know that that's coach speak and we hear that every week. Uh, but to this point in the season, this will be the most physical game that Kentucky will play. And, and that offensive line has to, has to, has to be – the big blue wall. Now the question is: Is Luke Fortner healthy? Uh, will, is Kenneth Horsey healthy? Or are we going to see Wilson and, and Dotson, who played very well against Vanderbilt? But this Alabama defense is a whole heck of a lot better than Vanderbilt, especially on that second level uh, with uh, with Dylan Moses back there, and then you throw in those defensive backs that could, could load the box. You know, I'm looking at two defensive backs that could stack the box to be a in essence, additional linebackers. And strong safety Jordan Battle is third on the team in tackles with 32. And the star position, Malachi Moore, a true freshman, uh, who has just been dynamic this year. So uh, front seven, yeah. But when you start saying, can they block the, the front eight and nine? No, impossible. That Thus, the Kentucky's going to have to have a resemblance of a passing game to back off those uh, uh, secondary players from the Crimson Tide. I went back and looked it up, Freddie. Rodriguez did get to 20 carries against Georgia, um, but he's only had double digits four times this year in four yeah. of the seven games. Um, it, it, the guy, Corey Price, is he the guy that tweets all the facts out? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he was a male bulldog and a Kentucky Wildcat, and he does game day stats for UK now because he's such a great job. numbers junkie guy. Great job. He does a tremendous job. I learned a lot from him. Uh, I saw where uh, Rodriguez's 87 carries uh, that one has resulted in a tackle for loss. Uh, so that, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty pretty good. Uh, and speaking of the Georgia game, uh, one person actually asked. Let me see who who was it that asked this. Uh, it was Nick Bowman that says if we had Terry against Georgia. How different would the outcome have been? And, you know, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. But if Terry's playing at that level, I think you, you got to add that caveat because his performance against Vanderbilt, best of the season, and you, you kind of saw that against old, a, a bad old Miss defense, and you saw a little bit of it in the, the second half against Tennessee. I think that's the the – just in general, I like playing the – what if we had that all season? Because yeah, kind of what we were expecting, Freddie, and not having that consistent Terry Wilson there the whole time, it's really slowed down this UK offense. Well, that and also Vanderbilt uh, was playing without two starters at corner and they're starting free safety the first half. 
So they couldn't sit on routes against the Kentucky receivers because they didn't have the skill to match up. Now against Georgia, we saw the, uh, the Bulldogs sit on routes as far as the, as the corners and safeties, meaning really didn't get out of their back, back pedal. They played everything in front of them because they wasn't threatened with a deep shot. Uh, now Alabama has similar talent as Georgia, and and will Kentucky be able to get them out of their back pedal? Will Kentucky be able to to get them loosened up by hitting a couple of completions to free up the running game? That's yet to be seen. So a lot of that's got to do with with the uh, secondary that, that Terry was going against and that Joey Gate was going against in Georgia was very, very good uh, unit and uh, really just didn't threaten at all as far as the downfield passing game. That's how Georgia stopped the run as well. Uh, True Blue says, Freddie, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what kids should take advantage of the additional free year. Who do you think could leave early? Thanks. Always appreciate it. Uh, uh, Dan Kennard, obviously, is one that, that could leave early. And and I would expect him and Landon Young to – Landon's a senior, but could have another year. I, I, they'll, they'll both go pro. Probably Drake Jackson to go pro. Uh, mm-hmm. I think most uh, of those offensive linemen. Yeah. if you it, Just fifth-year seniors in general, I yeah. don't think anybody's going to want to come back for a sixth year. The fifth year can be fun and it's nice, but yeah. eventually you're ready to move on. I would be interested in a guy like Ali who, yeah. you know, maybe he's like, well, you know, I, I, I had a good year, but I didn't have much help. And, you know, Bo Allen or Joey Gatewood, they, they could take that next step. So may, maybe I'm confident enough to, to, to run it back one more time and see what I can do with a little bit of help around me. Yeah. And also look at Josh Pascal, four year senior, uh, you know, or, he's no, got that he, one red shirt year, I think. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. Years? No, yeah, he he's got that red shirt year. That's right. But he he could he could possibly come back for another year. Uh, uh, Yusuf Corker, if he's not happy with his draft situation, he could come back for another year. Uh, Brandon Eccles, uh, you know, junior college players yeah. played two years mm-hmm. in the SEC. He could possibly look at, at coming back for another year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, see how that plays out. Because you got to, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. I mean, you know, I think if players want to come back, I think Mark Stoops will certainly let them. But there's also players that are developing behind them, and then you got recruiting to look at. I mean, it's a, it's a touchy situation, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and it's also one of those things too, Freddie, where I'm curious how. It, I think it matters less this year, and more so, like two years from now. Yeah, where you had guys where you can retroactively like, you know what, I'll, I'll go ahead and use that that one year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Especially for, that, for folks who've dealt with like injuries or something this year. None immediately come to mind, but yeah. Right. Another thing you got to look at is the transfer rule. Uh, you know, if that, that comes that you, you're allowed one free shot at transferring or, or now they're giving away eligibility waivers uh, pretty pretty freely. You know, you got to you got to make players happy too. You yeah. got to get them on the field. You can't just sit somebody that's ready to play. Uh, you know, you just can't sit them and not give them reps. Well, so there's a lot to factor in there. And and if Josh Ali like on the putting the shoe on the other foot, he could grad transfer and have two years elsewhere probably. Yeah, absolutely. This year, so there's, there's a lot of different possibilities um, in play yeah. for that. And that's 
it's one of those unintended consequences things, Freddie. We aren't going to know the kind of repercussions of it for a while. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. We have any more questions? Are we ready to roll on? Let's roll on. And I guess roll on's a bad, bad word to use before you're playing <laughs> the tide. We're playing the tide. Let's go. Uh, let's go into the recipes for success there, uh, Nick Roush. Let's do it. First of all, Alabama's ranked number one in the country for a reason. They're a very, very good football team. Uh, their average scoring margin is 47 to 22. They're plus 166 in the total yardage margin, meaning they're outgaining their opponents 166 yards per game. And they have uh, the Crimson Tide has a plus five turnover margin, which is one more than Kentucky sitting at plus four. But offensively, Nick Roush, Kentucky has to shorten the game. What does that mean? Well, how do you shorten the game? You move the chains. You have first downs. You stay out of negative plays on first and second down in order to have a manageable third down. Uh, The Cats uh, had zero negative plays against Vanderbilt, zero tackles for loss, zero quarterback sacks, and that was very positive for uh, for getting a win there. So uh, shorten the game, run the football with Chris Rodriguez, uh, uh, keep Mac Jones and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith off the field uh, by shortening the game. You're, you're, you're lessening offensive possessions for that dangerous, big play, explosive Alabama offense. So first thing the Cats have to do, Nick, is shorten the game. Shorten the game. Check that one off the list. I would like to shorten the game. We'll get because you know it, it is a four o'clock kickoff. You want to yeah. make sure you're you're you know you're done in time to watch the nightcaps. Yeah, absolutely. Before we got to start pecking away on the on the laptops, but yeah, um, the second thing Kentucky has to do it kind of goes with the first game. First uh, thing is stay on schedule. Can't have a third – if Kentucky lives in third and eight plus, then it's, it's going to be a long long afternoon in Tuscaloosa. Cannot do that. You cannot live in, in certain passing situations, allow Alabama to blitz man up, and, and that could be uh, – that could spell doom for the Cats. So stay on schedule. First down, run the football or get positive yardage. Second down and medium. Third down and short. That That's, that's what staying on schedule means. So – uh, can't have a third and 11, third and 15, can't have penalties, pre-snap penalties, can't have any of that going in or on Saturday. So stay on schedule is the second thing Kentucky's going to have to do to beat Alabama, Nick. Yeah, and I don't think we can stress enough how – like, it's so – boring to be like well they're bad on third down because they're bad on first and second down but i mean look look put put the shoe on the other foot and look at what vanderbilt was doing with king keon henry brooks he was getting just some annoying two and three yard runs and then on an easy third and four unless you made a tackle for loss it it was was easy to get those four yards so that that's why it's so important to to be able to uh keep i mean just to keep the game within reach well, Chris Rodriguez is averaging six, almost six and a half yards of carry. So uh, if you just go by the numbers, you get him in third and two and three and four situations, he's going to move the chain. So uh, got to stay on schedule. This Kentucky offense is, is is a unit that has to stay on schedule. Can It's not good at making up. 
for penalties, making up for tackles for loss for quarterback sacks. We did see the third and 26 conversion run by Terry Wilson, but those plays are extremely rare and will be more – the difficulty level uh, uh, rises exponentially when you, when you play in Alabama team that is uh, ranked number one in the country. All right, point three, Nick. Kentucky has to block number 32, Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses is an All-American Mike linebacker, a middle linebacker he missed last year for an injury. He's got 50 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, one and a half quarterback sacks and interception. Uh, he's all SEC and All-American for a reason. He's a dynamic football player. Uh, will be a first-round draft pick. Uh, just a, a, a very, very good football player. Kentucky's going to have to – the offensive line's going to have to get up on the second level and get their hands on uh, Dylan Moses. Uh, if not, then uh, he's going to be uh, a deciding factor in the game, especially against the Kentucky running backs. Yeah, he can he can really erase any sort of chance of turning three and four yards into seven or eight, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he He's one of the best of the best in the country. Yeah, he is. And, and yeah, he, that's why he's one of the – one of the keys of the game. I mean, he's that good. When you have to focus on a player that's that good and we call them out by number, they're they're important for the overall uh, <clears throat> game for the Cats. It's one of those things, Freddie, that Alabama's defense, we aren't really talking about it as much as a normal Alabama defense a year because it, it's not like they're worse uh, in that they – I mean, instead of having 10 pros, they have five. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's one of those kind of deals where they're really talented and they still have guys like Dylan Moses who are just bona fide stars. But their defensive numbers, they aren't as great because their offense has kind of turned things into a shootout. You know, yeah. their offense is put – the defense is struggling because their offense is so good. <laughs> they're scoring yeah. on big plays, so the defense uh, doesn't get the kind of benefit of the doubt of having – you know, those kind of long uh, possessions where you go out and get stops. The, it's a little bit different, but they're still I, – I, I know folks would be like, well, this isn't the Alabama defensive all. Eh, they're still pretty damn good. Yeah, let's put it in context. Missouri put up 19 against them. Texas A&M put up 24. Ole Miss, 48. Uh, Georgia scored 24 and Tennessee, 17. In their last outing, Alabama beat Mississippi State 41 to zero. So that puts it into context. Um, the next uh, uh, recipe for success, Nick Roush, is identify number 13 and number nine in pre snap reads. Uh, number 13 being Malachi Moore, the star position, and number nine being Jordan Battle, strong safety. Those two will be indicators for the Kentucky quarterbacks if Alabama's going to blitz or if Alabama's loading the box, putting numbers in the box to stop the run game, which will trigger a, a, a an RPO, it will trigger the pass. So a pre-snap identification of Jordan Battle and Malachi Moore will, will greatly help the Kentucky quarterbacks because – uh, they will – those two will be telling the quarterback what's getting ready to happen. Now, you can tell an opposing team what's getting ready to happen, but you still got to stop it or you still got still to make a play. So uh, the, identifying those two players will be critical for Terry Wilson, uh, Joey Gatewood, or Bo Allen. Yeah, uh, and I, I like that you, you put the caveats in there because who knows? I mean, 
This year's been weird enough, Freddie. I wouldn't be surprised if multiple quarterbacks played against uh, Alabama. Yeah, you never know. And the last one, no turnovers. Uh, Kentucky had no turnovers against Vanderbilt. No surprise, scored 38 points. But that was Vanderbilt. This is Alabama. You cannot uh, have an upset in mind and have turnovers on the road against the number one team in the country and expect to win the football game, period. Uh, Kentucky offensively is going to have to play nearly unblemished or perfect uh, to, to get the win down there. So uh, first thing you got to do is hold on to the football and don't throw interceptions. Easier said than done. Alabama is known for stripping the football, uh, and known for, you know, you throw it at Patrick Sertan, Sertan enough, you're, you're going to get interceptions. I mean, that's just the way it is. So uh, can't have any turnovers down in Tuscaloosa, Nick Ralph. No, and you need to force them too. Uh, yeah, that 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 was the Kentucky's been bend don't break defensively. That's kind of always been their mantra. Uh, but this year they've been playmakers on defense, and you kept waiting for that to happen against Vanderbilt, and they just never came. Never did come defensively. Got to prevent the home run shot, Nick Roush. Mac Jones, quarterback, former UK commit, playing uh, his way into uh, a top one, two, and three uh, candidate for the Heisman Trophy, has had a great year. Uh, he's averaging uh, shoot, uh, I mean, 366 yards a game. He's completing 78% of his passes. Uh, he's ranked third in the nation, leads the SEC in all those categories. 16 touchdown passes. Alabama's offensive efficiency and, and points scored has a lot to do with their vertical passing game. Devontae Smith is another All-American receiver, uh, 56 catches, nearly 800 yards, and, and, and eight touchdowns, uh, averaging uh, uh, 126 yards a game. And then Jalen Waddle goes down a home run hitter for Alabama. They bring in – well, they don't bring in, but John Mechie factors in to have more of a role. Is averaging 21 yards a catch. So uh, deep, deep threats are something that Alabama really likes to do. And, and 21 take yards a catch, Freddie. That's yeah. just ridiculous. And Mac Jones, <laughs> is incre- Mac Jones is incredibly accurate in the deep ball. Yeah. And he, uh, some of the throws he makes too, they are the fearless. I know that this guy Hi. is going to go make a play kind of throw. Oh, hey. <laughs> they said hey um but like yeah, he just I mean, he's 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 not scared of nothing just no humming yeah, no, it he, in there because he those, is incredibly accurate those dudes will go make some plays they can make some contested yeah. catches freddie yeah you know that was a question about tua was he that great of a quarterback or did you <laughs> You had all those great receivers, and he's proven in the NFL he is—he was indeed that great of a quarterback. And Mac Jones, uh, you know, is—is is, is it the system? Is it the receivers? No, Mac Jones is making excellent throws as far as the vertical shots. I mean, he, he throws one of the better deep balls that I've seen in a very long time. And Alabama has the pass catchers that can go get it, and they're going to be dangerous. So, preventing that home run shot, something the cat's got to do. Uh, next thing, Nick, is tackle twenty-two. Another All-American, another Heisman candidate, uh, running back, Najee Harris. Uh, 100, 124 carries already, 714 yards, averaging nearly six yards a carry, 14 touchdowns already, and 119 yards per game. Uh, he leads the SEC in rushing. 
Alabama, uh, if it needs yards, goes to Najee Harris, whether it be in the run or the pass. And he is just a very, very good football player. Kentucky's going to have to bring him to the ground. I was uh, like, I'm surprised that we didn't get more Najee Harris this year. And I think that's almost more of a testament to what Mac Jones and those receivers have been able to do than anything. Yeah. Because Very he, true. he, he, he was the, Ooh, maybe we'll have a running back get in the Heisman action for the first time in a while, but uh, they've been so good at throwing the ball. They haven't needed to. And right. I think Freddie, this might be a game where not that they, they take the foot off the gas, so to speak, but maybe it is one of those where they do try to control the, the clock a little bit more. It could be, Nick. It really could. A couple ways to look at it. I mean, you know, with Mac Jones in the Heisman race, but, you know, kind of so is Najee Harris. Not not a front runner, but he's been mentioned in that category. Uh, but with it, I guess the team like Alabama, it's an offense like Alabama. It's pick your poison. You play the pass, Najee Harris is going to kill you in the run game. You, play, you load up in the run, then Alabama hits that. You know, they have those home run hitters as far as the, the vertical passing game. So uh, just a three-level, explosive, dangerous offense that Alabama has, and, and it's arguably the best in the country. And, and they're just hard, hard to stop, impossible uh, at some times to stop. Uh, the next one is pressure Mac Jones. Kentucky's not gotten a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, didn't, didn't really threaten – uh, Ken Seals much from Vanderbilt. He had time to sit back. Uh, uh, Brazelak at Missouri had all the time in the world. So, uh, you know, that's something. If you, if you give Mac Jones time, he will find an open receiver and he will hurt you. That's just the way it is. He's just that good of a quarterback. So, somehow, some way, Kentucky's going to have to pressure Mac Jones. And then you got the All-American there. Uh, Alex Leatherwood at left tackle is very good. Another All-American, Deontay Brown at guard. And then an All-American candidate, Landon Dickerson at center. So that offensive line uh, protects Mac Jones well. It's given up 10 sacks this year. Uh, so not a lot. So Kentucky's going to have to find a way to pressure Mac Jones. And it's one of those things too, Freddie, that I'm happy for Mac Jones, but I really, really – like the the child in me, the just <laughs> the high school kid in me is like, put his ass in the grass, you know. Like <laughs> I, I want to see him eating dirt. Uh, yeah, on Saturday, I just do. It's I can't yeah. help it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen some interviews of him uh, this year, and and you know he's really matured, and he's he seems like a really good guy. And I'm I'm also very happy for Mac Jones and the success that he's having. Uh, but like you, you know, when, when players slip or, or turn down Kentucky, it, you know, the, the the immature side of me holds grudges. So uh, I, I also agree. I like to see them get, <laughs> get some pressure on. <laughs> uh, the last one is play assignment football. You know, Kentucky played hero ball a little bit against, against Vanderbilt, trying to do things outside of the scheme uh, to, to, to grab some stats and, and do things that, that really – uh, you know, you just didn't play their assignment, kind of freelanced a little bit. And, and Brad White has really got on to him this week. And, and Coach Stoops is, was pretty heated about it. Uh, so play your assignment. Do your deal. If you have zone pass defense, play zone pass defense. 
if you have the A gap, have the A gap. That's just the way it is. And, you know, if you bust an assignment against Alabama, it's going to be a touchdown, period. They will make you pay uh, if you if you bust an assignment. And that's just, you know, again, a testament to how good Mac Jones and this offense is. So got to play assignment, strong, uh, sound football, have gap integrity, and, and, and let the cards fall where they may. But uh, can't freelance, man. You can't you can't just do your own thing because you want to do your own thing. You got to play within the system and the scheme and and let that play out as it will. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. <laughs> Special teams got to make field goals. All right. I mean, scoring opportunities are going to be limited. You got to hit those field goals, Nick Roush. Uh, if Kentucky can do that, then then at least get points on the board. And then they got to do what they got to do. And then uh, the last one is good fellows got to be good. He averaged 46 yards of punt last week, filling in for Max Duffy. And uh, he's got to be good again on Saturday because field position, you don't want to give Mac Jones and that offense a, uh, a short field to score. So you got to flip it when you have to. So good fellow be good. And that, that that's the recipes for success. I hope uh, I ha- I'm hopeful that we'll get uh, Max and, and uh, Matt back this week. Yeah, Stoop said you can kind of read between the lines on their absence. Um, So I'm hopeful that enough time has passed that they should be good to go on Saturday. I think they will be. I hope so. Uh, Looking at this Alabama offense, even more so, Nick, uh, uh, ranked second in the SEC, scored 30 times on 33 red zone trips. 24 of those 33 were touchdowns. That's Uh, impressive. That is a very impressive. And and defensively, Alabama has given up 10 touchdowns out of 20 trips, trips through the red zone. So uh pretty good, pretty good red zone stats there for Alabama. Uh other names uh to mention. We mentioned an offensive lineman. Uh defensively, Dylan Moses, Jordan Battle, we talked about, Patrick Satan, uh LeBron Ray is back. Alabama has seven interceptions on the year as a defense and four fumble recoveries. That's much lower than the Mika Fitzpatrick days where they had a gazillion of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Freddie, I got a little distracted because somebody sent me a picture and I just sent it to you and I think you'll get a kick out of it. And this is at Kennywood, which I can assume is is like Kenny Rogers amusement park, kind of like, kind of like the dog. Is that Jack? Park. That's Jack Lambert. <laughs> that can't be real. That's got to be photoshopped. No, right? that's that is is a real picture in the sporting news of Jack Lambert in his full Pittsburgh Steelers uniform riding a roller coaster. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, that's so. I funny. love it. Yeah. <laughs> I am He's taking up two seats. It's meant to be for two people. He's just there. <laughs> I'm a humongous Jack Lambert fan. He was my favorite player growing up. My buddy Chris Fernandez just uh, texted me a picture yesterday. He got one of those old school Pittsburgh jerseys from like '76, '77 with the with the logo with the sticker uh, or, or not sticker, but a patch on it that they wore mm-hmm. that year. They won the Super Bowl. And he somehow found that jersey and bought it, and I'm extremely jealous. So, yeah. Man, I, I love, too, the, the helmets that – like the helmet that fits over his head. I just it, – it looks humongous. Just yeah. trying to 
get that big old dome in there. What a mean, yeah. nasty son of a gun. You know, if anybody wants to get me a Christmas present or, or they or they're writing their will and they want to leave me something because we provided such highly entertaining uh, discussion on the depth chart podcast, you can, you can will me a uh, Jack Lambert Jersey and I will wear it proudly <laughs> and I will yeah. wear it daily. We, we can bust out your front teeth too. So you, you look the part. I listen for, <laughs> yes, I do it. Yeah. You, you know, you, you know, Nick, honest to goodness though, got old people like me, you know, you all, you hear a lot of them, well, football back in the, you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. That's what we grew up with was Jack Lambert. Right. I mean, you know, that, that, that was the football that we learned, <laughs> you know, where anything short of murder was legal on the football field. And, you know, it was a total, total different game, man. I mean, it was, man, well, it, it was rough. That's uh, my, my buddy who's a Raiders fan. Uh, just got a Lyle Lozado jersey. And I, yeah. I never heard that name before. And then he explained to me how. You never heard of Lyle Lozado? No, because I I oh I knew gosh. of like the the Howie Long teams with like Marcus Allen and all of them. Yeah, but was was all is Ada on those teams? He was before them, right? Yeah, he was on that team. Have you ever heard of uh, uh, Jack Tatum? Yeah, yeah, cut okay. people in half. Just saw him. In yeah. half. So I guess he's the one I didn't know of. But yeah. he was like, yeah, he's the reason why that Miles Garrett they have the rule of you can't rip somebody's helmet off and use it yeah. as a weapon. <laughs> Absolutely, he did that. Yeah, uh, which I mean, while we're we're talking about some of those old guys, uh, a, a tip of the cap to Paul Horning who passed away yeah, a absolutely. week ago, and Freddie from the city of Louisville, like the the kind of you know I'm a Catholic guy from the city of Louisville. We got a pretty big Catholic community here, and Paul Horning was the man. Where your you know my uncles and you know all the older kind of family friends, they talked about Paul Horning like you would talk about elvis or something yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like he was yeah he was just that guy and uh, yeah you know like the kind of stories um both at churchill downs that were you know all of these kind of you had him off the field but you also had him on the field where uh vince lombardi uh said you know i knew to always give him the ball near the goal line because he loved the glory and that was the kind of old school let me shine and 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 it when it matters most and he did that uh at notre dame yeah. for the green bay packers so uh a louisville and a kentucky legend uh lost his life and uh it, it, that that his legacy that's not gonna be forgotten anytime soon no i was watching something on him where uh in the nfl championship game uh he was on i think he was a reservist and he was on uh, army active duty at fort Riley, kansas the weekend of the championship game and president Kennedy granted him a two day pass to play in that game. <laughs> so I, that's something that you'll never hear of. You know, no. that's a, a pri- I saw a picture of it and he had a ranking of a private. So when a private goes through the chain of command all the way to the president to get passed, <laughs> that, that is to a military person. That is just mind blowing, oh, you know? Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah but he, he was a le- – I mean, anytime you have a trophy named after you, you're a legend, you know. Yeah, so yeah. He, he's only, just – He will be the only person to ever win the Heisman on a team with a losing record. No. Oh, yeah, that would never happen. Never, <laughs> never ever happen. Yeah. Never, never. Uh, I do think uh, – again, back to the U.K. and Alabama, I think Kentucky will still have 
uh, plenty of emotion from from this week's emotional uh, events uh, honoring John Schlarman. So I, I think that will that will that will be with them. Uh, and it was a I wasn't able to attend. I was in Corbin uh, for family reasons, and and uh, but I got to see some of it, and it just uh, it appeared to be just a beautiful life tribute to John Schlarman that they had at Kroger Field. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and I mean, it's one of those things that speaking in front of people, especially in a stadium after a loved one's lost their life, it's it's a very difficult, difficult task. And yeah. I just salute those young men who went up there. And, I mean, yeah. they, they, they were fantastic. And, uh, it, you know, for the coaches, having Neil Brown, I just – it's been so long since I've – you know, I don't pay too close attention to West Virginia football – Man, Neil is—he's—he's he's a great speaker, and he did a great job uh, honoring his very close friend. Yeah, it was just—it was—it was wonderful all the way around, and uh, you know, I wish I could have been there. And it's just a, a just a fitting tribute to such a great man that John Schlarman was. Football, family, faith, everything—everything uh, everything that that measures a person, uh, John Schlarman maximized. So. Uh, I think that emotion to carry uh, with the cats down to Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Nick Roush, uh, what's your? I got to I got to do the pregame show. So, what's your what's your score winner and MVP? I actually think that uh, Kentucky will end up doing okay. I think I think we'll get at least one outburst from Nick Saban around halftime. And I think ultimately Alabama in the second half will uh, end up pulling away with a couple of big plays just because that's what Alabama does. But I, I think the defense will will take away the big play for the most part in the first half and that Kentucky will get a good drive or two together. Um, so I think I think cats are covering. Um, I'm going to say 34 to 10 Alabama. What's the spread? 30. Woo. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot of points, a lot of points, especially against a good Kentucky defense. Um, yeah. I said that last week when Florida played Arkansas and Florida chewed them up and spit them out. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, man. That's a machine we're going to, we're going to we'll talk about next week. But man, Kyle Trask is absolutely lighting it up. Did you have him uh, in our preseason picks? Uh, I, I, I think, I think a- it- Adam, Adam had the, the Bryce Young. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You you had I, who'd you have? I think I had Trask. I had I, Kelly Mond at, at Texas A and M. Yeah, so. I was the only one that had Trask. You're you've you've won that one. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? To go back to Mac Jones, I mean, I don't think any of us thought that Mac was going to do what he's done this year. So no credit credit to him for for proving, yeah absolutely plenty of us wrong. Absolutely, and Sarkeesian does, is is a, is a fantastic offensive coordinator, and you know Saban has three hundred and twelve former head coaches as quality control and GAs there at Alabama. So has Muschamp uh, gotten hired by him yet? It's in the works if it, if it's not already done. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, that's another. I mean, you know, Will Muschamp fired at South Carolina. It'd be interesting to see who 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 they. The Gamecocks uh, get in there. Uh, hearing a lot of Shane Beamer talk from Oklahoma. Uh, you know, they're just Hugh Freeze. Uh, he's going to be mentioned with every opening. Uh, the guy at, at Coastal Carolina, uh, Napier at uh, at Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right, right. 
How, how's he said Napier? Yeah, Napier. Yeah, it's Napier, Eastern Kentucky. So I, I, I thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. yeah. Well, I hope you all have enjoyed this version of the Depth Chart Podcast, and uh, like us, subscribe to us, and give us a good rating if you would, please, and and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you next week as we preview, uh, uh, hopefully, preview Florida and review how Kentucky did at Alabama. Go Cats.